What if, with the right mindset, anything is possible? Join us now and find out how. It's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Join us as successful life coach Marla Tabaka is here to inspire you and her clients to explore, discover, and live your dreams by developing what she calls the Million Dollar Mindset. Today, Marla is here to inspire you to take action on your dreams and reveal secrets to success that will help you realize your own unique power with the Million Dollar Mindset. Today, she'll share heartwarming stories, teach you tips and tricks to building a successful business, plus how to unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset. And now, here's your host, Marla Tabaka. And welcome to everyone who's listening today. Thanks again for being here with us on the Million Dollar Mindset. I always appreciate your your input and your insights and your, your fabulous suggestions for uh, show ideas and story ideas over at Inc. Magazine as well. So you can always reach me at Marla at MarlaTabaka.com and tweet me at MarlaTabaka. Why don't you tweet and weigh in on this question? Here we go. Can you really systematically and consistently get the results you want from others while making them feel genuinely good about themselves and about the process and about you? Well, today's guest says absolutely you can. Bob Berg is a sought-after speaker at corporate conventions and for entrepreneurial events. He regularly addresses audiences ranging in size from 50 to 1,600, sharing the platform with notables including today's top thought leaders, broadcast personalities, Olympic athletes, and political leaders including a former U.S. president. Although for years he was best known for his book, Endless Referrals, over the past few years, it's a business parable, The Go-Giver, which he co-authored with John David Mann, that has captured the heart and imagination of his readers. Of course, I was one of them. The Go-Giver shot to number six on the Wall Street Journal's best business bestsellers. <clears throat> Excuse me, business bestsellers list just three weeks after its release. Wow. And it reached number nine on Business Week's bestsellers list as well. Since its release, it has constantly and consistently stayed in the top 25 on 800 CEO Reed business book bestseller list. Say that three times fast. And it's been translated into 21 languages. Wow. And this was Bob's fourth book to sell over 250,000 copies. Now, he believes that his new book, and I have it right here in my hands, it's awesome, Adversaries into Allies, Win People Over Without Manipulation or Coercion, is by far his most important work yet. Bob is an advocate, supporter, and defender of the free enterprise system, believing that the amount of money one makes is directly proportional to how many people they serve. He's also an unapologetic animal fanatic, as am I, and serves as a member of the board of directors of Furry Friends Adoption and Clinic in in Jupiter, California. I just love that. So if you hear my dogs barking during the show, I don't think our guest is going to get too upset today. (laughs) This is Bob's second visit to the Million Dollar Mindset to listen to our interview where we chatted about his five laws of stratospheric success. Listen to December 17th show back in 2012. And today we're here again, and we'll be discussing Bob's five principles of ultimate influence, because every single day,
day, right, we face resistance. When you're out with people, especially if you're a leader, a manager, entrepreneur, you do. You face resistance. And sometimes we might even see someone in as, as an adversary and tend to resort to manipulation and coercion in an effort to get what we want. Have you ever felt like you were doing that or needed to do that to get what you want? Well, of course you have. But this mentality will net only short-term results, if even that, leaving the other person feeling coerced and taken advantage of, and only make the resistance even worse. So there's a better way, and that's what we're here to talk about today. Welcome to the Million Dollar Mindset, Popper. Welcome back. Thank you, Marlo. Always great to speak with you. Thanks for having me back. Oh, I'm always excited to read your work, Bob, and to, to have you here on the show. And uh, I have truly been enjoying this, this uh, book, and it does. It resonates with me so well because there does seem to be that fine line, right, between feeling like you're manipulating someone or, you know, just helping them to see the win in a situation. So why don't we start our chat with that, that, that fine line and describing where it is and what that is. Well, you know, it, it is a good question. It's one that I'm often asked. Uh, what is the difference really between manipulation and persuasion? And they both happen to be offshoots of influence. Influence uh, is simply the ability to move a person or persons to a desired action, usually within the context of a specific goal. You could do it two ways. You could do it through through manipulating that person, which really, when you think of it, manipulation is is force it's it's uh compliance it's it, you know it, it's dishonesty uh, you could do it that way uh, or you could do it through what i call persuasion or positive persuasion what's the difference well they're both cousins first right because they they because both the manipulator and the persuader both understand human motivation they understand what what drives a person to take action um, now, they're, I, I say they're, they're cousins, but one's the evil cousin and one's the good cousin. <laughs> I like <laughs> I mean, that. Yeah. And so, uh, and so it, it, it's good to know that, you know, what the difference is. And also, we're going to talk about why it's actually much more advantageous to the influencer to be a persuader rather than a manipulator. So, uh, first, you know, I've got to tell you, when I used to be asked that question, what's the difference between manipulation and, and persuasion, although I, I felt I intuitively understood the difference, I, I don't think I communicated the difference well. And there's an old saying that, that I subscribe to, that if you can't explain something and explain it simply, there's a good chance you don't understand it as well as you think you do. So <laughs> I went on a mission to better understand it and be able to explain it. So uh, I came across a book many years ago, and, and this book was actually written many, many years ago. It was written in 1987 by Dr. Paul W. Sweat. Uh, the title was The Art of Talking So That People Will Listen, though it was really much more about listening than it was about talking. Mm -hmm. But the book itself by Dr. Sweat was, was, I thought, very brilliant. And in this book, he gave what I thought was the best uh, delineation, if you will, of, of the difference between uh, persuasion and manipulation. What Dr. Sweats wrote is that manipulation aims at control, not cooperation. It results in a win-lose situation. It, it does not take uh, the good of the other party into consideration. Now, he goes on to say that in direct manipulator, the persuader seeks to enhance the self-esteem 
of the other party. The result is that people respond better because they're treated as responsible, or we could say response-able, self-directing individuals. So the difference between the two begins with intent. It begins with intent, but it doesn't end there. I say it begins with intent because the manipulator, while he or she might not necessarily be trying to hurt the other person, uh, they don't necessarily care if they do, so long as they get what they want. It's win at all costs. The manipulator is totally I-focused or me-focused. Uh, now, the persuader, just the opposite. The persuader, for them to feel as though they've won, they need to make sure you're well taken care of as well, that you feel good about the situation as as well. Now, it begins uh, with, with uh, uh, the difference but that's not where it ends. See, once you see both the manipulator and the persuader can cause a person to take action in the, in the short run right away. They both understand how to do that. However, once you've been manipulated and once you've figured out you were manipulated, once you discovered you'd been taken advantage of and did something sort of against what you would have done had you been really thinking about it because you were manipulated, you're probably never going to do business with that person again. You're not going to be, want to be around that person. You're going to resist that person. Even if you have to work closely with them, you're going to do everything you can to not make their life easier. In other words, you're probably not going to buy into their ideas. With a persuader, once you've been persuaded, well, you feel so good about it and about that person understanding their intent and their action was both in the right place that from that point on, you're much more likely to commit to them and to their ideas. So while it begins with intent, the result is that the persuader not only can, can influence in the short term, but in the long term as well. You see, a manipulator can have employees but very rarely a, a, a loyal team. Uh, a manipulator can, can make sales, and certainly we know many people who do, but very rarely happy customers and repeat customers, uh, and very rarely uh, a referral source. And even when it comes to family, a, a manipulator can have a family they love and who loves them, but very rarely a functional family. So it's both good business and good life to be a persuader rather than a manipulator. Yeah, yeah. You make so many wonderful points there, Bob, and I want all of the entrepreneurs out there listening because this, this audience is mostly small business owners, and, and you know they do have some employees but probably not a lot of employees. And so the tendency can be – well, it's not that they're necessarily self-absorbed. It's just that they're still in over their head. They're still really in deep. And sometimes it's just easier to talk instead of listen and to quickly manipulate to get your way or to be the boss and make demands to get your way rather than get into this intimate conversation, right? And so I think it's important that that we understand that in the long term, your time is better spent doing, you know, the five principles of ultimate influence mm -hmm. like we're going to talk about here today. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. We are going to actually go into a break in about a minute, Bob. That was a great explanation. Thank you so much. And when we come back from this break, uh, we are. We're going to talk about the five principles of ultimate influence that uh, – Bob covers in his book. If you don't have a copy, pick up your copy, um, Adversaries into Allies, Win People Over Without 
manipulation or coercion. And uh, again, especially you entrepreneurs out there, it's important not just with your employees, but with your clients, with your vendors, in just about you know every in actually in every relationship that you're in. And if you want to weigh in on today's show, you can just tweet me at Marla Tabaka T A B A K A, and uh, I'll make sure that your your questions and comments um, get on the air here. Make sure and also tune in over at Inc.com to read today's column. I think you'll find it interesting. Things you need to know about social media. We'll be back with you in just a minute. Unlocking the secrets in you to create a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marlon Tabaka, and we'll be right back after these. Are you the kind of parent who just wants their kids to live the life of their dreams? Well, grab your kids and join How to Raise a Millionaire Radio with Ann Morgan James and Jack James. It's a lively interview and call-in show, Thursday, 6 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. This dynamic mother and son team are on a mission. They want to empower kids to dream big and go after those dreams with gusto. They want to fill the world with kid entrepreneurs. Are your kids ready for success? Don't miss their fun annex, lively guests, and discussions. For more on Ann and Jack and their show, check out their website, howtoraiseamillionaire.com. Then join the conversation of lively interviews and call-ins, and let's give our kids the tools and encouragements they need to build a future they can bank on, no matter what the economy throws their way. It's How to Raise a Millionaire Radio with Ann Morgan James and Jack James, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Are you ready to start rocking that woo-hoo that only you do? Because Lisa Stedman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woo-hoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author. She is a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of Woohoo Inc. and the Woohoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boo-hoo and turn it into woo-hoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woohoo that only you do in love, life, and business. She is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Mindset. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it all starts with attitude, and Marla is here to help. It's the Million Dollar Mindset on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Marla Tabaka. And we're here today with speaker and author Bob Berg, his most recent book being Adversaries into Allies. Make sure and grab a copy of that. And we're here talking about his five principles of ultimate influence. So, Bob, is there a difference between just being influential and using your ultimate influence? And when do we need to tap into one or the other? Or do we stay in the realm of one or the other? Or what do you mean by ultimate? 
Well, where influence is is just a matter of moving a person to action. Um, ultimate influence is is getting those same results, um, being able to work with others in such a way that you do uh, get the results you want, uh, but doing it in a way that you uh, help the other person to feel genuinely good about themselves, about the situation, and about you. So uh, it, it's not just getting your way. It's getting your way. It's certainly attaining personal satisfaction. We absolutely should. But we always want to do it in a way where we consider the feelings of the other person as well. You know, I had I coach um, entrepreneurs in mm-hmm. startups and, and small business. And I was working with a client the other day who, like many entrepreneurs, has – very little patience for the errors and the lack of understanding of systems and processes that some employees have, you know, and I was trying very hard to communicate to her the importance of sitting down and having this compassionate conversation and understanding better where that particular employee is coming from. And she was very resistant to that. Um, do, you, do you speak to entrepreneurs about this, and do you find that resistance, and do you have any idea where it comes from? Well, the resistance itself comes from our belief systems, and our our beliefs are our subjective truth. It's the truth as we understand the truth to be, which doesn't mean it's the truth. It just means it's our truth. Uh, How did we learn this particular truth? I hope you can see the quotation marks around the word truth, as I just said it. Um, (laughs) Well, we learned it as a combination of upbringing, environment, schooling, news media, television shows, movies, uh, you know, popular culture, cultural mores, uh, everything we touch, taste, see, sense, smell, you know, everything. It, it goes into making up our beliefs, the way we see the world. Uh, our, our belief system is pretty much set, actually, by the time we're little more than toddlers, and everything tends to simply attach itself to that basic, uh, found, you know, belief foundation. But let me um, suggest something a, a little bit further. Most of us don't even realize that we are basically captives, if you will, to our belief systems, what I call our operating systems, and we don't even know it, okay? And so we make these decisions, or we have these feelings, or we have this resistance when things go against what our beliefs currently are, and we don't even know why that is. We just, uh, you know, the individual doesn't know why it is. They just know that's how they feel about that particular thing. They don't necessarily know why. It might have nothing to do with conscious thought. It's simply the beliefs that were plugged in earlier, which they've accepted as truth. Now, the interesting thing is, the other person with whom we might have that difficult interpersonal situation, they're also run by their set of belief systems that they're not conscious of. And to make matters worse, if you will, uh, we all tend to believe that the way we see the world is the same way everyone else sees the world. How could it be any different? We only know our model. We only know how we see the world. We assume everyone else must see it the same way. This is why you hear people saying, oh, everybody feels that way, or nobody likes that. Or you may have heard someone say, or maybe even perhaps said yourself at one time or another, I would never do that to someone, or I would never say that to someone. Well, remember, all these things are based on our paradigm, our model of the world, the way we see it. So this person who you're talking about, they see the world their own way. They see it a different way. And so what, they, what they're not seeing is that they have got to be able to uh, 
you know, if they're wanting to to elicit a better perform, performance out of their employees or their team members, and for entrepreneurs it can be very difficult because we all tend to have that one way. We're very steadfast in our, our way of wanting to see something done. But they need to know that a, a top influencer um, has got to not only understand but embrace what I think is the most powerful statement that Dale Carnegie wrote in his book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, the classic from the 30s. What Dale Carnegie wrote, Marla, is um, ultimately people do things for their reasons, not our reasons. So what this person needs to do is they need to ask themselves the question, how is what I'm asking this other person to do, how does that align with their goals, with their wants, with their needs, with their desires? Uh, how does it align with their values? In other words, how can they connect what they want to see happen with with what their employees want to see happen? Now, it's the same where you're coaching this person because right. what you want this person to do is have more understanding toward the other people, toward the people they're leading. Right. So how can you connect your desire for that to happen with with his or her understanding of why that's going to benefit them to do it that way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and this can become very emotional, right, because it becomes a clash of the ego. Well, I'm the boss. It's my business. I know how to do it the right way. You know, so it can become mm-hmm. a very emotional discussion with self, which brings us to your very first principle of ultimate influence. Right, and that's control your own emotions. And, uh, you know, we, we begin the, the book by asking a question. Uh, it was a question from the sages, who is mighty? And the answer is that person who can control their own emotions and make of an enemy or of a potential enemy a friend. Uh, this is where it all begins. It's only when we can control our own emotions that we're even in a position to take a potentially negative situation or person and turn it into a win for everyone involved. Uh, as human beings, we are emotional creatures. It's it's how we're built. Now, we might want to think we're logical, and to a certain point, we certainly are, but we're pretty much emotion-driven. We make major decisions based on, on our emotions, and then we back those decisions up with logic, of course. We rationalize, which simply means to tell ourselves rational lies, and we do that to justify the emotional decision we made. Well, These emotions also come into play when someone either intentionally or even unintentionally says or does something to push our buttons, which causes us to become angry or mad or sad or frustrated or this or that. And when we're letting those feelings control us, we're in a position of weakness. We're not, first of all, when we allow our emotions to control us, we lose respect from other people, but we also are simply not as effective as we are could be, uh, which isn't in any way to denigrate emotions or say we shouldn't be emotional. I mean, that's uh, emotions are a great part of life. They're part of what make life worthwhile. But as one of my mentors, Dondi Scumachi, quite appropriately says, by all means, take your emotions along for the ride, but make sure you are driving the car. I like that. I like that. And so do you have any um, tips for people in terms of how to control those emotions because again especially when it comes to business this is your baby this is uh, you think you know what's best um, how do we put those emotions in the back seat 
Well, the first thing is to understand the importance of doing so. It all comes down to that because, see, if let's say you're coaching someone who who is very – like I was because I was very run by emotions. I was very angry, and I, I defaulted to anger right away. Usually it was anger at myself more than anyone else. Right. But, but it was anger and frustration, and it was, you know, all those things. And so the first thing – and it took away from my effectiveness – and so the first thing is the person has to realize that the way they're doing it now isn't quite working for them, or at least not as effectively as it could be if they were to change. See, if you know, if you were to say to a person, you know, how is what you're doing right now really working out for you? And they said, oh, no, it's great. I love it. I, this is how I want to do it. Well, they're not going to change. It doesn't matter how much you or I or anyone else wants them to change. They're not going to change. First, they need to see that they're, they're better yeah. off by changing. And so fortunately, most people tend to be open to something like that if they, if they know that this is a problem. Okay. The, then the next is to help them uh, make this change. And that is simply to, um, to see a situation in their mind that could – I say the best way to do this is to picture it in your mind's eye – Picture situations in the past that have happened that you did not handle it well, that, that somebody said something, somebody did something, something happened, and you reacted to it in a way that was not positive at all, uh, a way that was hurtful, offended others, didn't allow you uh, the ability to be able to work within the solution, but you were stuck within the problem. Now go back and see yourself handling it differently. See yourself handling it with a default to calm and that you're you're able to look it over you're able to see it for what it is very objectively not emotionally okay now and feel the difference with that now what i would ask the person to do is imagine pretend something happens in the future you say well can't predict the future actually yes you can because you know the different things that push your buttons and the things that have and they probably will again so picture something like that happening. Picture the, the, the objection that you receive, that you always tend to receive, that always just really ticks you off. Only now you're going to picture handling it in a totally different way. Picture the late pay that and this person who uh, just you know doesn't seem to pay on time and how much that angers you and how you just can't seem to have a conversation with them without it kind of blowing up or you feeling as though you wimped out afterwards. Picture the conversation with that person who, for whatever reason, you know, could be a family member, could be anyone, and now picture handling that differently. Picture yourself going into calm, that when this person says or does this thing, you just handle it beautifully, yeah. and then and picture the difference. Yeah, that visualization is so powerful. Yeah, and it's, it, and it's not a... Uh, you know, a uh, pie-in-the-sky type of thing that just no. is, no, it, it, it's like an astronaut who goes up into space, and before they do, they might simulate the mission 300 times. Why? So that when they get up there, they know what to do. They've been there. They've done that. Yeah, it's very powerful. Absolutely. Great. Wow, that's very helpful, and we're already just a minute away from our, our second break, which is hard to believe. I love it. Um, so when we get back, we're going to uh, talk about your other four principles, which will be very, very helpful. And in the meantime, everyone who's listening out there, please make sure to go, go on over and visit me at Inc. Inc.com slash author slash Marla hyphen Tabaka. I talk to the experts about the, the changing in the social media and for 2014 and what's coming up. And there's some really important things out there for you to know. So get visible, get noticed, and check out how in this week's article. 
unlocking the secrets in you to create a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marlon Tabaka. And we'll be right back after these. It's time to devote time to yourself and strap yourself in for a fun, down-to-earth, enthusiastic, compassionate, easy-to-understand discussion on the unlimited ways you can be all that you want to be. Join us for B-Institute Radio with Christine McKee on Toginet Radio. Each week, Christine will have lively and open discussions and interviews, share stories and case studies, and hear from experts on the topic of the week. Christine, a registered psychologist from Australia and published author of Be By Design, How I Be Is Up To Me, hosts lively discussions and interviews every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time right here. Have you been laid off, fired, downsized, right-sized, or re-engineered out of a job? Are you unemployed or anticipate that possibility? Then tune in for Successfully Unemployed, hosted by Alan Sherwood, MBA, president of Sherwood Consulting Service. Successfully Unemployed will provide you a hope-filled and comprehensive approach to the job search process from an author who's experienced it all. Alan and his guests will cover all dimensions of a job search, physical tasks, mental attitude, emotional health, even one spiritual perspective. All must be integrated in order for a person to be successfully unemployed so they can then be successfully employed. This show is designed to help you move forward from job loss to finding or creating more fulfilling work. For more on Alan Sherwood, MBA, and the show, check out his website, SuccessfullyUnemployed.com. Then join us for Successfully Unemployed with Alan Sherwood, MBA. Thursday nights at 8, 7 Central here on Toginet.com. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Mindset. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it all starts with attitude, and Marla is here to help. It's the Million Dollar Mindset on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Marlon Tabaka. Well, we know that great influencers have a knack for getting the people, but in a way that leaves everyone feeling complete and happy. And we're here today discussing Bob Berg's five principles of ultimate influence so that you can learn to do the same. So, Bob, we've talked about controlling emotions. You gave some very, very powerful tips there. Thank you. And uh, the next one we've touched on a little bit around belief systems, understanding the clash of those belief systems. Let's talk more about that. Yeah, you know, the key is is not that you're going to, and we talked about that, that a belief is just a person's subjective truth. It's how they see the world, and you see the world your way, they see it their way, all, you know, based on past experiences. Uh, the key is is not to tr- that you necessarily have to understand another person's belief system. You, you probably won't, uh, because you don't have twenty years to delve into it. You know, and they probably don't quite understand it because remember they don't even know they are subject to that they are living this life through their belief system. So, it's not that you have to understand their belief system. You simply have to understand that that they're probably coming from a totally different viewpoint than you are. They're coming from a different set of beliefs than you are. And as long as you understand that, now you're you've created a context where you can uh, uh, you know where you can ensure that that everyone wins, that both parties come away feeling good about the situation. Yeah. 
which is which is the key here because you want to create happy employees and you want to create great relationships and keep those vendors staying with you and and, uh, and your customers buying from back. you and referring you to others absolutely <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely i love the third one and a lot of people just don't understand this word the word ego acknowledge their ego talk to us more about ego well the ego itself is simply literally it's the i it's it's that part of us that that understands that we are a uh, unique individual, separate from all other things and all other people. Now this sounds sort of politically well, not sort of. This is very politically incorrect to say in our world today that diminishes the importance of the individual, uh, which is a shame. But you know it is what it is. But it also doesn't mean that, you know because we hear well, what about the you know, universal consciousness that, that um, uh, uh, Napoleon Hill talked about in uh, Think and Grow Rich. What about uh, quantum physics, which has proven that the, the, um, the atoms, they move so fast in vibration and everything's connected and there's, there's this entire, you know, field of, uh, well, absolutely, I believe all that. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, but that, that does not in any way, that doesn't in any way contradict the fact that as human beings in our earthly existence, we also live as individuals. We, we choose to associate or to have, you know, to, with other people. Uh, we're part of certain groups, uh, a family, uh, a community, uh, a team, a company, a, a state, a kind of whatever, and those are great. But that doesn't mean that we're not individuals. And as individuals, we have egos. Now, these egos, just like emotions, when we are in control of our ego and we're directing our ego, we can accomplish great things, both for ourselves and for, for society as a, as a whole. Look at the inventions that have been made uh, or that have been created. Look at the businesses that have been created. Look at the, uh, the way that, you know, that, that any time the free market is allowed to operate, people invent things. They do it, whether it's for the profit motive, for their own ego, a combination, what have you. It doesn't matter. They're adding value to society through doing this. When the ego is, is controlled, wow. It's powerful. Now, on the other hand, when the ego is not controlled and when the ego controls the individual, just like emotions, that's when really counterproductive things start to happen. And that's when a lot of damage can be inflicted, both on the individual, him or herself, and society as a whole. Now, in this case, what we're talking about when we say acknowledge the other person's ego, we don't mean to acknowledge it out loud. Hey, buddy, your ego, you know, it's, <laughs> uh, that's going to have probably the opposite effect if you do that. It's simply acknowledging it to yourself that if this person is saying or doing things or acting in a way that's not helpful, but instead seems to be really kind of messing up the works and isn't even in their best advantage, but it just seems to not be, uh, not be correct, there's a good chance their ego has taken control of them and that their ego is running them. And in that case, we need to acknowledge that and we need to be able to work effectively within that or we're going to find ourselves not getting things the way we want to have them and not being able to help that other person as well. So when I say acknowledge, that simply means really understand that and know that that's something you're going to have to work within. Mm-hmm. And so, Bob, what kinds of questions can we ask ourselves to know whether or not our egos are in check? Well, if we're feeling as though we're not, and again, this, this comes down to having awareness, 
because if we, uh, you know, how often does the ego take hold of us without even us realizing that the ego's taken hold of us? So we need to retrain ourselves to any time we feel as though things just aren't quite right. For some people, it, you know, they can feel it in their stomach. For some people, they feel it in their neck. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. for some people, just an overall feeling of non-well-being. And when we feel that's the case, we've got to be strong enough to say, hey, you know, this might not necessarily be me at my best, but maybe it's my ego speaking. So yeah. that, you know, that's a matter of us acting out of consciousness, which is uh, T. Harv Eker uh, either defines it as it's, it's acting out of strength and thought rather than based on uh, past programming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very important. And to acknowledge someone else's ego, what does that look like? Give us an example of sitting down with, um, you know, someone with whom there may be a conflict looming it, <laughs> or something like that. How would I acknowledge their ego? Well, you acknowledge it to yourself. You, ah, you, you wouldn't okay. acknowledge it to them because then you're probably going to just feed right into their ego. And, you know, if you say to this person, hey, I don't think you're, you know, I think your ego's taking over. Well, you know, just by the very fact that their ego's taking over, they're not going to accept that. Okay, but would saying something to them along the lines of, I understand where you might feel threatened mm-hmm. by this or uncomfortable with this or what have you, is that in a sense also acknowledging their ego? Uh, it, it, it is. You just got to be careful to know this person well enough to say something like that because that, that, that kind of person may just totally go ballistic if you say something like that, or they may be the kind of person who can accept that from you. A lot of that depends on the relationship you have with them already. If they already know, like, and trust you, you can sort of get away with something like that, where with somebody else you might not be able to. Now, this is where the fifth law, uh, the fifth principle, tact and empathy come into play, because it's when we utilize tact, uh, when we utilize empathy and display empathy, that's where we're going to be able to work within that person's ego after we've acknowledged it, and be able to say things and do things in such a way that not only are they not going to be defensive about it and resistant to us, but they're going to be much more willing to accept our thoughts. Right, right. But first, we have to set the proper frame. Exactly, and that's key, and that's why I have it as principle number four. What is a frame? Well, a frame is really the the premise, if you will, uh, it, it, it's it's that which it's that from which everything else emanates. Uh, let me give you an example that I that I mentioned in the book. Um, I was at a, a local Dunkin' Donuts restaurant, Dunkin' Donuts store, and there was a little boy, probably two two and a half years old, who was kind of you know running around the restaurant, and uh, he started to walk toward his uh, parents, and as he did, he suddenly took a spill on the floor. He just he just fell on the floor. And he didn't fall hard, and you could tell he didn't hurt himself, but he did look shocked. You know, you, you could tell by the look in his face that he intuitively knew that was not supposed to happen. So immediately, his eyes went to his mom and dad to sort of get their interpretation of the event. Uh, what happened happened. He, he fell. Uh, but he was looking to see what was next. <laughs> and yeah. the people, of course, he most trusted in his life would be the ones that would get to determine that. Now, I believe that had the mom and dad gone into panic mode and uh, gotten upset and said, oh, no, oh, my poor baby, are you okay? He he probably would have started to cry. Sure. But the but the parents handled it beautifully. They uh, 
Uh, they they smiled, they applauded, they said, "Oh, that looks like so much fun! What a good trick!" Oh, and and immediately the little boy started to to laugh. Now, what the parents did is they set a productive frame from which he could operate. And that's what we need to do whenever we are entering a conversation with someone, a situation with someone. It could be as simple as a, putting a genuine smile on your face. Uh, a smile is, uh, Dan, Dan Goleman talks about in emotional intelligence, a smile is, is just one of the most irresistible forces of nature in terms of trying to resist. You almost can't resist smiling at someone when they smile at you first, or at least feeling good about that person. Uh, it might be that as you're in a conversation with some people and someone walks into the room or it starts to walk toward you, your body language is, is open as to say, hey, come on over and join us. You're welcome to. Uh, now, that the, the key, though, is not only to be able to... Uh, to set a proper frame, but to be able to reset somebody else's already negative frame. And so when we can do that, then, wow, you know, we have, we've just redirected the conversation totally. And that's not, that's not always easy to do, right, because we all come in with ego. <laughs> right. Well, let's say, for instance, that you had to, you had to politely ask to see the supervisor. Uh, because you are not getting satisfaction from the customer service representative or the person at the front desk. And, you know, you hope he, he or she went back to see the manager and say, hey, there's a nice person out there who wants to talk to you because you handled it really nicely. But, uh, you know, let's just say they say, hey, there's a customer who, who needs to talk to you. Well, this, this manager or supervisor who's been working at their job for 10 years, they hate their job. Five times a day they have to see a disgruntled customer, so they, they're ready to put their game face on, quote the rule book, the policy and procedure, manual and do as little as they can, right? Uh, but when they see you, okay, rather than you having a look of confrontation and setting a frame of, uh, of confrontation, of advers an adversarial frame, which is what he has already set, instead, you put a, gr a big smile on your face, you extend your hand, you take a step toward him, and you uh, you'd find out his name's Mr. Jones. So you say, Mr. Jones, Bob Berg, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to see me. I know you're very, very busy. Boom. You have just now reset his frame. And now you're the type of person who he wants to please. He wants to make happy. They want customers like you. Yeah. And sometimes, you, you know, sometimes it's boom. And sometimes you see kind of a delayed reaction, right, where they might mm -hmm. kind of calm down a little bit. But then, uh, you know, a couple minutes into the conversation, you can see the effect of that smile coming along. And we're finally going into that final break. I can't Suddenly, I should say, going into that final break, we'll be back here with Bob Berg in just a minute. Unlocking the secrets in you to create a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marlon Tabaka. And we'll be right back after these. Get ready to live la bella vita with Dawn Catherine on Toginet.com. Live la bella vita. If you're wanting to know all the beauty tricks of the trade and the latest fashion trends before everyone else, this is your show. If you admire celebrities' beauty and their fashion sense, this is your show. 
Do you love wine and want to know more about the process it takes to make wine from the vine to the bottle? This is your show. Live La Bella Vita. For more on the show and your host, check out our website, labellavitacosmetico.com. This is the kind of show you can sink your teeth into. If you enjoy traveling and food and family, all with an Italian flair, then you can live La Bella Vita with your host, Dawn Catherine. Wednesday nights at midnight, 11 p.m. Central, on toginet.com. Have you ever wondered why America is facing such a health care crisis? Then join us for Dr. Peter DeVent Live every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. He'll answer your health care and medical questions and share with you his knowledge and opinions on topics ranging from holistic health care to spirituality and wellness. You'll find out about the roots of your health care challenges versus symptom management. The holistic approach, how the spirit, mind, and body connection is critical in both the development of illness and the solution to illness. How emotions are directly related to physical illness and how to read your body like a book. Dr. DeVette will also go through your personal questions and how you can navigate through the illness maze. Supplements, medications, therapies, treatment options, surgeries, all kinds of things related to your health. Dr. Peter DeVent Live. Every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Mindset. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it all starts with attitude, and Marla is here to help. It's the Million Dollar Mindset on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Marla Tabaka. And I would encourage all of you listeners to visit Bob over at his website, which is Berg, B-U-R-G dot com, and you can download Chapter 1 from his latest book, Adversaries into Allies, and you'll also receive a lot of value-added resources there. So lots of great information over there. So again, that's uh, Berg, B-U-R-G dot com. And Bob, thanks again so much for being here today. I've really been enjoying our chat and lots of great stuff here. And, and we're on to your fifth principle now, uh, five principles of ultimate influence. Lots of great tips. And the last one being communicate with tact and empathy. We touched a bit on us on mm-hmm. it, but tell us more. Yeah, you know, in his in his classic How to Have Confidence and Power uh, in Dealing with People, Les Givlin uh, wrote that what counts is attaining personal satisfaction without trampling upon the egos of those we deal with. I thought that was I thought that was profound. He yeah. he defined uh, human relations as a science of getting the results you want while leaving the other person's ego intact. And I think the way to best leave another person's ego, and of course, uh, tact goes back to ego, which goes back to emotion. So there, you know, these are all interconnected. Um, and I think the best way to do that is through tact. Uh, my dad has always defined tact as the language of strength. And I believe that's so important. When we have tact, we can we can correct a person, we can uh, critique a person, we can dare I say constructively criticize a person. And, and none of this, by the way, we ever want to do. But we're talking about the real world, uh, you know, not not some fantasy land where nothing wrong ever happens. I mean, sometimes someone does overpay on a on a negotiable product, or they 
they speak disrespectfully to a family member or they provide wrong information to a client. I mean, there's times we need to be able to, to teach and we need to be able to do that, though, in a way where, as we mentioned earlier, uh, rather than being defensive and resistant, the person's open to us, and, and tact allows us to do that. Empathy, which is really the uh, identification with, or, or we could say the vicarious experiencing of the feelings of another person, well, this allows us to really relate to this other person and have them have them understand that we understand. And that's very important because people want to feel. I'll give you an example that uh, I, I thought was uh, I thought was sort of amazing. Actually, uh, I was in a uh, uh, one of the blood uh, test laboratories. I, I can't think of the name of what you'd call it, but where you get you know your blood tested and so forth. The diagnostic, uh, one of those places. And I was sitting in the waiting room, and, and there was a, a woman who came in, an elderly woman who who very nice, very sweet, but when she got to the, the nurse receptionist desk, she was obviously agitated, and she said, I can't believe you all lost my lab results, uh, and I had to come all the way in. What an inconvenience this was. And the nurse practitioner, or not nurse, nurse receptionist, excuse me, simply looked at her without any emotion and simply said, please have a seat. Someone will be with you soon. Now, you know, she said it with no empathy, no understanding. She was about as cold as you could be. Now, she wasn't mean, wasn't nasty, wasn't disrespectful. She just said it with no feeling. And the elderly lady was, was very frustrated, and she tried again. And, and with a, a very defensive laugh, she said, I'll tell you, if you people do this to me again, I'm through with you all. And again, the nurse receptionist just said, please have a seat. Someone will be with you soon. And then the, the elderly woman went to her seat, and she was just beside herself. She was so angry. Now, you know, was she angry because they lost the test results and she had to come in? Well, probably that had with it. But no, she was angry because she, uh, the, the person who was talking with her made no acknowledgement of her feelings, of her humanity. She dehumanized her. Uh, now, you know, what's so interesting about it is all the the receptionist had to say was something like, oh, honey, I am so sorry. That never should have happened. I, I don't know what did happen, but I will find out, and we'll make sure that never happens to you again. Please have a seat. Someone will be with you soon. May I get you a hot cup of coffee or tea? Now, had she done that, uh, just, had she just acknowledged her, uh, she would have had not only a, a happy uh, customer, <laughs> but would have had a, a what, what I call a personal walking ambassador. She would have told everybody, uh, you know, about the wonderful woman who helped. Instead, she will, you know, I'm sure she did tell everybody what happened. Probably all day she was telling everybody in her circle yeah. not to go to this awful place because, right? <laughs> you know, that's really what it's all about. And that it doesn't even mean you have to understand exactly how that person feels. Remember, we probably won't. We don't know how this person feels. But we can understand that they're a human being, and as such, they have feelings, and they just need to know that we, we care enough to acknowledge that. Yeah, just an acknowledgement of their circumstances and the feelings that go along with those is, exactly. is so important. I always try to put myself 
before before I speak on a delicate topic, I always try to put myself in the other person's position and how sure. they'll be receiving it. Mm-hmm. And uh, taking the couple of minutes out to do that can make will make all the difference in conversations like these. So, Bob, yeah. you have uh, one question that you say that we can ask that is pretty much guaranteed to keep a potential misunderstanding from from taking place. Tell us what that question is. It's actually very simple and it has to do again with belief systems that you know we cannot we see things differently so someone can say a word and different people just simply misunderstand it because they're coming at it from their own definition so it's simply saying to someone uh you know how would you define or what do you mean by now you need to say it in a tactful way so you would say just for my own clarification when you say it needs to be done as soon as possible is there a specific date you're thinking of Boom. And the person's going to say, yeah, I need to be Wednesday at, you know, by 3.30. Boom. So now there's no misunderstanding because as soon as possible could mean a lot of things. It could right. mean it needs to be done by tomorrow. It could mean as soon as it's convenient for you. It could mean by the end of next month. You know what I'm saying? You know, yeah. it, it, it's the person who says, hey, let's meet tomorrow at 5 o'clock at the beach. So you go at 5 o'clock, you go to the place on the beach where everyone meets. The person doesn't show up. You're mad at them. And the next day you say, thought we were going to meet at the beach at 5. I was there. No, you weren't. Yes, I was. Well, yeah. I was right at the beach. Well, no, I went to the new restaurant called The Beach. That's what I meant. <laughs> right? So in, in other words, we, we wa- always want to ask a person what they mean. But we do it in a way that's kind and tactful. And by the way, the same is true when you're the person saying something. You want to say, hey, just to make sure I don't mess it up when I say the beach, I'm talking about the new place, you know, the new restaurant, not the usual meeting place at the beach by the ocean. Yeah, not making assumptions and exactly. making sure there's, just, there's clarity in every conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 so, so important. And there's a conversation that probably a lot of people don't like having, and that is when we have to tell someone no. Mm-hmm. It's so difficult to, to tell someone no. Why do we have such a difficult time with that, and how do we overcome that? Well, you know, as human beings, we want to please others when we can, when it's appropriate, and there's certainly nothing wrong with that. It's only wrong, if you will, or negative when we're doing something that we really don't want to do, or it's, it, it, which isn't really necessary, uh, or it doesn't align with our, with our values or, or what we believe to be important. Uh, that the challenge with it is that, you know, I think most people have learned to say no in a way that's sort of counterproductive. They either learn, and, and I hear this all the time now, which I just uh, really bothers me when people say, just tell people no, or, you know, no is a complete sentence, you know, and people get nod their heads in, in empowerment, like, but, you know, really, are you really going to do that? Someone asks you to serve on a committee, it's not an outlandish request, it just might be something you don't want to do. So are you just going to say, no, I don't want to? First, it's rude. Secondly, you're going to turn that person into a, an adversary without having to. Uh, third, you're going to probably blow any future chance of doing something with them that you might want to do. And fourth, it just and the biggest reason to not do it that way is it's not congruent with your value system of treating people with respect and kindness. So I, I don't think that's a good way to do it. Then the, the other way is people sort of make an excuse. Well, I would, but I don't have time. Well, the challenge with doing it that way is is you kind of know you're fibbing to yourself because it's not that you don't have time. It's that you don't value doing it as much as you value not doing it. And so what happens there is not only do you feel kind of yucky for for you know, making an excuse that's not really correct, the other person knows it's just an excuse, and they're going to overcome that. And when they do so, when they when they 
persuade you uh, convincingly that time is not an issue, then you've either got to admit that you are fibbing because you don't really want to do it, and they're going to respect you less. You're going to feel lousy, or they're going to, or you're going to have to save face and just sort of, uh, you know, uh, take the gig, even though you don't want to do it, which doesn't really help anyone. So instead, you can do it very simply, and this is a life changer for anyone who, you know, ends up doing things they don't want to do, saying yes when they want to say no. You simply say to the person, thank you so much. While it's not something I'd like to do, please know how honored I am to be asked. Mm -hmm. That's it, okay? So what you did is you respected them. You told them you were honored. Uh, you, you You honored them, but you also honored your own boundaries, and you didn't make excuses. You didn't gra- give them something to grab onto. You know, again, it's just thank you or thank you so much. While it's not something I'd like to do, please know how honored I am to be asked. Now, if they try to coerce you, which they might, especially if they're used to, to, to doing that or they've seen you as someone they can coerce, they might say, oh, come on, we really, really need you for this. Then all you do is with no defensiveness but simply kindness, you simply say, oh, thank you, I'd rather not. But again, uh, please know how honored I am to be asked. Boom. They're going to get the. They're going to know that when you say no, the answer is no. But they they can't be offended by it because you were so kind about it. Mm-hmm. So true. And sometimes that's just about having an inner dialogue with ourselves and getting past that guilt thing around saying no and just honoring them and honoring ourselves by being honest and and polite, as you said. Wonderful. Wow, what a what a wonderful show, Bob. I so appreciate your being here with us today. We just have a minute or so left. I want to remind everyone uh, to visit your website at berg.com, B-U-R-G.com, and uh, ask if you have any final, anything you'd like to leave us with today. Yeah, I think really what it is is, is understanding that when you, that the best influencers always understand that it, it's not really about us. It's about the person we're wanting to influence. Mm, you know, right. a great influence is never about the influencer. Great leadership is never about the leader. And great salesmanship is never about the salesperson. It's always about that person whose lives we want to touch with the value we provide. Yeah, such an important thing to always remember. Bob Burke, thank you for joining us on The Million Dollar Mindset. And everyone listening, I look forward to hearing from you. Visit my website as well, marlatabaka.com. We'll see you next week. Thank you for being a part of the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka on Toginet. If you've always known there was more out there for you, but you just weren't sure how to get there, 